The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? Uh, myself, doing a little bit better than I was last episode, but uh, definitely not ideal. The Montreal Canadiens lose Game 3 to the Toronto Maple Leafs at home by a score of 2-1. to one. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Bottom 6 Minutes Podcast presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and that, once again, could have gone better. Uh, should have gone better if you look at the performance of one Carey Price in net for the Montreal Canadiens. Boy, did the Habs manage to squander a performance for the ages by their goaltender. Um, started off okay. The f- first period wasn't bad. Uh, it wasn't great. Um, definitely not ideal. The Leafs had more shots. They had more shot attempts. But nothing much happened. I mean, there was... A very near goal by Jason Spezza that was saved by, by now everybody's seen it, Carey Price diving across his crease to stop it with the paddle of his stick. Just absurd stuff from Price there. Uh, And he made a couple of other really good saves to keep it scoreless after one. Second period, as usual, that's kind of where it all went to hell for the Habs. Um, it, It looked like the Leafs were on a power play at even strength for large swaths of that period I'm kind of flabbergasted at how it could even be that bad like there was numerous sequences where they were hemmed in their own zone for a long period of time and it was just a shooting gallery for the Leafs and again Carey Price keeping them in the game not much he could do on either of the goals that were scored Uh, it started out of course off of an icing Um, Shea Weber ices the puck Goes back down to the other end. Leafs win the face-off, move it around a little bit. Puck goes in off Ben Sherratt's skate. Nothing Price can do. The Habs got it back um, not too long after that. Nick Suzuki walks in, fires a good shot, beats Jack Campbell. Game's 1-1. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. We're feeling like we might get out of that second period with a tie game that we don't deserve to be in. And, of course, the puck gets iced again by Montreal. This time, they go back down to the other end. Toronto wins a face-off. They work it around. Gets to Morgan Riley after some extended zone time for the Leafs. And he beats Carey Price uh, again on a shot that Price, I thought he played it really well. Didn't have much of a chance on that one. It was just a perfect shot by Morgan Riley. Um, Not much you can do. The Habs got out of the second period with the score only 2-1. And it could have been way worse than that. Um, I want to say midway through the period, Austin Matthews had a chance at the side of the net um, off to the left of Price. Price slides across, huge extension in the legs to make a pad save. Matthews throws it back out into the slot, and who's there? Mitch Marner. Um, Mitch Marner tries himself, doesn't get full wood on it, but sends it towards the net. Price gets his glove on it um, with like 
maybe 20 seconds left in the period, maybe even less than that. Matthews had a big wrister that Price got the glove out on it. I mean, he was spectacular. He was every bit of what you expect from a $10.5 million a year goalie. Um, He was every bit what people have been clamoring to see all year. And, of course, the, the Canadians just couldn't get any run support for him. And, of course, they had their customary 20 minutes of excellent hockey, but the problem is they chose on this particular night to play that excellent 20 minutes of hockey in the third period, and it wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. Jack Campbell, all credit to him, he definitely stepped up his game to match Price in the third period. The Habs were buzzing. They were finally you know, generating scoring chances at a, at a pretty good rate. And, I mean, it just wasn't enough. It's never going to be enough to just play 20 really good minutes and then play the other 40 like you're just terrified of the other team. Yeah, the Leafs are definitely a formidable opponent, but, I mean, the tentative nature with which the Habs are approaching these games for large, large portions of these games is just super frustrating. Because when I looked at that third period, I didn't see the Leafs going into a shell necessarily. What I saw was the Habs getting a lot more aggressive, creating turnovers, and giving themselves opportunities. I saw the defensemen pinching way more in the third period when the Leafs were trying to get their breakout going. What did that do? Well, that either messed up the breakout enough that they were able to create a turnover into the neutral zone, or it stopped the breakout altogether, and the Habs can stay in the zone, try to regroup and create something. I mean, they were doing that exclusively in the third period. They did none of that in the second or in the first. They were just relying on, uh, you know, rush opportunities. That's how Suzuki scored, and that's how they got most of their shots on net, which, by the way, they did not have many shots on net until the third period. So... My hope is that the coaching staff takes a look at that and maybe tries to replicate that specific period in terms of the aggression that they had, except for do it over the course of an entire 60 minutes. Don't just do it in the third period when you're already down a goal and hope that the other team's goaltender allows you to score a goal and get back into it, maybe get into overtime. No, play that way for 60 full minutes. Play aggressively. Because the fact of the matter is Toronto has too many weapons for you to say, one goal is going to be enough for us. They have too many weapons. Carey Price played one of the best games he's ever played, and that one goal wasn't enough. You have to generate more scoring chances. You have to generate more shots on net. And sitting back, trying to defend against the Leafs is not the way that you're going to do that. You have to go right at them. You have to be aggressive. You have to do what they did in the third period, and you have to do it for 60 minutes. Price, after the game, said that he fully believes in this team's ability to score goals. I do too, if they play like they did in that third period. My question is whether the coaching staff is actually going to allow them to play that for a full 60 minutes, because it doesn't seem like it was part of their game plan, or they would have been doing those same things in the first and second periods. Um, I have to mention at this point, if, if I had a vote, on whether or not Dominique Ducharme would be brought back as the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, and I had to make that decision right now, I had to give my vote right now, my vote would probably be no. Um, I'm not loving some of the decisions that he's making. 
Uh, I don't understand for the life of me why he broke up the top line of Thomas Tatar, Philippe Dano, and Brendan Gallagher. They looked like they were able to shut down or at least slow down, you know, part-time mall cop, part-time goal scorer Austin Matthews. And they also looked like they were able to generate some scoring opportunities of their own at the other end. I don't understand that decision at all. I don't understand the insistence on using Corey Perry and Eric Stahl, although I did like the decision to leave Eric Stahl to the side for this game. I loved the decision to put Cole Caulfield in the lineup, and I'm perplexed by the fact that Brennan Gallagher was one of the least used forwards in the Canadiens lineup. Um, There have been some people wondering whether or not maybe Gallagher is still feeling some lingering effects from his hand injury, and maybe that's why he got taken off the top line. Maybe that's why he really wasn't playing very much last night, because it didn't really seem to be performance-related. He was out there quite a bit in the uh, in the dying minutes, like in the second half of the third period when they were trying to get that tying goal. So it, it seems like he's still considered as an important part, but it seemed like they were just like they got a governor on him they're trying to they they got a snap count on him they're trying to make sure that he only plays a certain amount of minutes i mean it it was just a perplexing decision and i you know like i said if i had a vote right now i'd probably vote no i know for sure i'd vote no if i had one on luke richardson coming back because he coaches the the defense and you know for those first two periods it was brutal especially when you look at that second period where as I mentioned earlier, it looked like the Leafs had a power play even though, even when it was at even strength. And a lot of that has to do with the way that they play where they're just like kind of camped out trying to defend the slot. You know, when you have your defenseman standing there just trying to defend the slot as much as possible, they're flat-footed. So if the puck gets knocked into the corner, of course they're not going to win a race. The Leafs are moving and the Habs are flat-footed. That, to me, is on the guy who's responsible for coaching the defense. So I put that on him. Maybe you can put it a little bit on Ducharme as well, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm not sure how Richardson managed to survive the first coaching purge of the season when Julien, um, Muller, and Stefan Waite got fired. I don't know how he made it through that. But I digress. I don't want to make this uh, entire episode about who I think should or should not be fired. I think my opinion's been stated pretty clearly on that throughout the years on Eyes on the Prize. Um, I think I should address the prediction I made in the last episode. I was only 50% correct. I predicted that Cole Caulfield would play and that he would score. Um, He played, he didn't score. But in my defense, um, he came pretty close. He hit a crossbar uh, during the power play that they had, the four-minute power play that they had in the first period. Uh, And he got, I think after that, four or five shots on goal, maybe even six. I'd have to go double-check that. But he looked great. He was arguably the most dynamic forward on the Habs roster um, throughout the night. And in the third period, everybody kind of kicked up their game because they were being more aggressive. But he still looked like one of the better players. And they had him out there with the extra skater um, when they pulled Price at the very end there. So I think he's won the confidence of Dominique Duchamp. I think he made enough of a statement last night that he's going to be extremely hard to take out of the lineup and I'm excited to see what he can do for the remainder of this series I mean they're clearly lacking scoring they had two goals in the last two games and two goals in the first game so they've scored four goals through three games of this series they need more scoring 
Caulfield, at the very least, provides you scoring chances. He's basically a walking scoring chance. Can't take him out of the lineup. He definitely has to stay. And I think he hopefully helps the power play. I, I'm not really sure if he can. Uh, it's it, it might be a lost cause, the power play. Uh, that crossbar that he hit was the best chance that they had in a full four-minute power play uh, in the first period. I'm just not sold on their ability to turn that around. But he's at his best when he can get some space, and the power play provides him with some space. He showed what how good his shot is last night. I mean, he rang that one off the crossbar, but you know, an inch lower, and that's going bar down. It's in the net, right? He's going to figure out that timing, and, I mean, give him a little bit of space on the power play. Maybe he makes the power play respectable because if he can put a couple in and force the Leafs to fear his shot more, maybe it opens up some of the movement elsewhere on that power play. I don't know. I'm honestly spitballing at this point because I think... As much as I like to rag on the coaching staff, they're probably at as much of a loss as I am for how to fix that. You know, they got to do something. And I think getting Caulfield, getting him a little bit of space and time to use that shot, I mean, maybe they can cash in on some of those opportunities because the officiating, you know, in game three, I thought it was pretty fair. Uh, unlike game two, calling things both ways, they, they did miss some things, but that'll happen. Um, but the problem is the Habs just can't present any real danger when they get those opportunities. The closest that they're getting is Cole Caulfield, so I think you got to feature him. You you got to try your best to work the puck to him and see if he can, you know, hit pay dirt and get you some of those goals that you desperately need. Aside from him, um, I gotta say, on a silver linings note, uh, I enjoyed Thomas Tatar's performance. He at the beginning of the day when they did their morning skate, it looked like he was going to get scratched. Uh, he ended up playing, and I thought he looked great. He got an assist on the Suzuki goal. And really, the only complaint I have is I, I would have liked to see him playing with uh, Gallagher and Dano. Uh, speaking of Suzuki, I think he was another silver lining. I think he had a solid game, pretty good in the face-off circle. Uh, the goal that he scored was just a excellent individual effort a good shot um, they need more of that from him I mean they need him to be what he was last year in the bubble which was arguably their most effective forward I think he was pretty close to that uh, last night and now it looks like he's going to get Caulfield uh, regularly as a winger and I think that's going to be big for them if those two can get going it could give them the offensive punch that they need to not squander the next epic carry price performance and I'll close on that because I mean what a performance by him if he can do that three more times and they can actually score some goals to back it up they could win this series they could nobody expects them to but if he does that three more times and they actually give him the run support they could win this series they could pull off the upset that does it for episode three. Uh, we're running around a little more than 15 minutes this time. So, vraiment, grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter, at DrakeMT. As always, you can shoot me a DM, slide on in if you have any complaints or if you enjoyed the show or if you have some better Austin Matthews jokes that I can make 
during the course of said show. We got a quick turnaround as the next game is tonight in Montreal for game four. So I'll end it on that. As always, thank you for listening and à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.